Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going on? Hi. We're back. We're here. We're live. It's Friday night. It's the show. Just like that song on YouTube from fucking, what, 10 years ago? The uh, What is it? Rebecca Black? Oh, yeah. Isn't she like, didn't Griff try to convince me that she was like. She's making real music She now. was like good. And then we, t- we watched it and he was like, all right, maybe she's not good, but better. It works. <laughs> I remember she's that was fun. Thing. All right, so. Today is the day we're here with the Franklin cover-up, which yeah. is fucking brutal. Uh, brutality. More so than anything we've ever done. Yeah. And we're making it special for you because we have uh, an old new guest and a brand new guest. So how about that? There's a lot of people All here things today. happening here right now. Two more than usual. So it's, it's you know, it's Jake and myself as usual. Yeah. And then, you know, we got we got Matt, one of the Matt. I'm not going to tell you which one. There's like four Matts now. You don't need to know. But you know, by the voice, you can tell. Then we got, uh, you know, Mitchell, the, the guy. He's always here. The fucking ragamuffin. And then we got the doctor himself. Doctor. <laughs> I feel, for the purposes of this show, I'm going to go with doctor. Is that cool? I like Doctor. that a lot because it's like a, you know you get it, but uh, I want to I want to put you put Doc on the spot here for a second. Yeah, what's up, G? I'm gonna throw this out there. It's gonna be real interesting having you here for this specific episode because we're covering an extreme crime, and you're you're no uh, you're no uh, you're no newbie to crime. You know you deal with that on a daily basis. That's right. I know a thing or two. You are you are the Batman. So, <laughs> except I do have both my parents still. But. Oh, oh, that's not the bad. Get out of here, you okay. fucking liar! <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, he's a he's a policeman. He's an amazing policeman, and he's here today. And I he might have some insight for what we're about to get into here. All right. I'll do my best. So, I we're just gonna jump right in. I want to just start by mentioning uh, a a specific name here. And uh, the book is called The Franklin Cover-Up, Child Abuse, Satanism, and Murder in Nebraska. And this is written by the man himself, John DeCamp. 
John W. DeCamp, yeah. So John DeCamp, uh, he was a Republican politician from Nebraska. He served in the 40th District uh, between 1971 and 1987. And he also was the acting lawyer in the particular Franklin cover-up case. And he wrote all the books, uh, well, the book. He interviewed all of the individuals that uh, have parts in this. And he was really the person responsible for bringing this to the light. And uh, I, I don't know how to say this other than just please try to keep politics out of this because this is literally just a crazy fucking ride. And you can't get muddled with, like, oh, he was the Republican senator. It's like, that serves no relevance. Like, he was also a fucking lawyer and a vet. So, like, this guy's the real deal. And, like, just listen to him. Just hear him out. He's got some stuff to say. Yeah. So, I guess with that that being started, let's just dive right into this mess. We're going to try. So, the Franklin cover-up, right? It was a scandal of human trafficking and pedophilia that was centered in the Franklin Community uh, Federal Credit Union. In Omaha, Nebraska, right? Oh, and, uh, uh, but it spanned all over the country, uh, all in direction and uh, under orchestration of a man named Larry King, possibly uh, one of the most wicked men. Uh, this is not the, that's where I'll put the television man. Yeah. This is a different Larry King. It's not the suspenders guy. <laughs> it's not him. Please do not worry. It's not the Larry King. Uh, it's Lawrence E. King. We call him Larry for short. You know, we. Yeah. I feel almost as if I know him on a personal level because I've, I've just spent so much time hearing I his really fucking hope. name. It's like I feel like this guy's just all over. It's, dude. Reading this book is taxing. It. It's like emotionally taxing. Think of like, I'm trying to think of like a really just terrible thing that happened in like a show or a movie. I don't know. What's an what's an event that really was not good when you saw it happen in like a TV show? Uh, or a movie, whatever. Any entertainment. Who? What? I Wait. can't hear you. Oh, yes. You we need the fool. Okay, so Breaking Bad, when the chicken guy walks out. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for everybody who has not seen Breaking He's Bad. has been out for so many years. Uh, Breaking sure, Bad, Mike. when the chicken guy walks out and half his face is gone and half his body is gone, that was... I mean, it was kind of joyful if you didn't like the guy, but you know, if you if you you know if you don't like violence, it it's probably not joyful. But that was definitely one for me. That's a great thing, and I'm gonna picture this. Okay, he picture... wasn't like a good guy, though. No, 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 Jake. No. Picture Gus Fring, yeah, walking out of that room right with his face blown up and all that shit. No, I get it. But it's not Gus Fring; it's an eight-year-old child that's on a t-ball team. Just picture that, and you just have to live with that for eight years. That's what this is. Sounds awful. Yeah, so... Don't want to... No. Buckle up for that, because fucking holy shit. All right. This is day one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get into where it started, right? Investigation of the where it all started. It began on June 10th of 1985, right? Uh, this was like the first Nineteen nineteen eighty five. Oh, Remember God. that song? Who's that yellow card? Something. I don't fucking know. Who but the hell is that? Everyone knew that song for like a year. <laughs> it was on Kids Bob. That's how I knew. But uh, all right. So yeah, uh, it began on June tenth, nineteen eighty five, when Washington County Sheriff Department contacted Nebraska's Department of Social Services regarding the adopted and foster children of Jarrett and Barbara Webb. 
Oh, right. God. So these people, Jarrett and Barbara. Jarrett's a terrible name. Yeah, trust me, this Jarrett's just just like the other Jarrett. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, it's Jarrett. Oh. Well, he's the it's same fucking more, guy as the, the he's other He's a more Jared. intense version of Subway Jared, yes. He's the lean, mean, fighting machine Terrible version of Jared. <laughs> person. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The sheriff uh, contacted the social services. No, he didn't. Uh, yeah, he did. All right, so Sean, Sally, Steve, uh, those are the names of the foster children involved in this particular call. Ooh. And Joey, who was an adopted son, right? So there's... A bunch of kids that aren't theirs in this home. In this home. All right. Uh, yeah, they were placed in police custody after the uh, there were claims of being beaten and abused. Right? Uh, they had bruises and welts, and they claimed that they had come from the webs beating them with a railroad iron as well as a belt. Yep. So that sucks. Just keep it going. Yeah. I'm not even going to interject. So both Sean uh, MacArthur and Joey Patterson Webb, right? So the, these were the two of the children. Uh, they were removed from Jarrett and Barb's custody uh, that month, right? However, not only did Sally and Steve remain in the home, but there were up to nine people living in this home at any one time. So yeah, they had like up to seven home. children who were either adopted or fostered. At any one time. So there's just a shit ton of kids in there. Which, I'm just going to throw this out there. To me, that's partially suspect. When you have to take away kids from foster parents, and they just have more, it's probably just not a good sign. They left the other ones. That's okay. Isn't that crazy? No, it's okay. It's fine. It can't get any worse. I think it did because they often tried to escape after that happened. Oh, but uh, that's... The, <laughs> no, no, that was unrelated. Yeah, yeah, probably. It was just some angst. Uh, yeah, uh, so they were uh, they were still there, uh, a lot of the children. They would often try to escape Kimberly Patterson and uh, Michael, another brother, right? Uh, he attempted to... Uh, they attempted to run away in August, but they were returned to the webs by the police after they were caught. Uh, a couple miles from their home. And in November of uh, uh, you know, that same year, uh, Nellie Patterson, who was 16, fled to the we- fled the Webb's home and took refuge at her grandmother's house. So, Smart. Know, maybe maybe your grandma's not in the best position, but maybe she should be living with her. So, yeah, because I don't know. You, the things that are happening in this Webb house are just... Bad. Suspect, um, to say the least, so far, but we'll get into Yeah, that. yeah, I don't want to yeah. jump the gun here. Yeah, all right. So uh, uh, she fled the Webb's house. She went to her grandmother's house. There, uh, the police interviewed both Nellie and Kimberly Patterson. Kimberly had gotten the permission to go over there. And uh, the two girls, uh, while being interviewed separately, stated uh, that the Webb's would administer whippings and beatings. Uh, they would use extension cords, belts, rubber hoses, and a uh, railroad prop. They may, they were made to undress completely before these beatings, so they were completely nude. And uh, they were hit mostly on the backs and buttocks, but sometimes in the faces and head. Mm-hmm. It's getting worse. It is getting it's worse. It's progressively getting worse. Yeah. I mean, we kind of all can assume the natural progression of what's come. But the build-up, in reality, is terrifying, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're just getting there. And they still have kids. Yeah, they still have kids. 
even after uh because all right so you know these interviews took place the, the police are like holy shit right they're like no so Nellie was uh, was removed from the Webb's home. Uh, she was placed in the foster care of uh, Ron and Kathleen Sarenson. So oh, the nice. good old Sarenson. Somewhere else, maybe. But, They'll uh, fix all the problems. Hopefully. Ugh, burping. But either way, uh, Nellie was later interviewed further on her experiences with the Webb's. And this is where it kind of gets... Uh, like a couple tears darker, you know? Yeah. It's uh, bad. Buckle in. Yeah. Uh, there was sexual abuse, right? And it started around the age of nine or ten. Okay? Um, so Jarrett, he would often force French kiss uh, Nelly, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Natural. Until she would kind of beat him in the face because she couldn't breathe because she thought it was very disgusting. Because she was nine to ten. Terrible. Uh, so either way, uh, he'd make her take naps with him during the day, uh, during which time he would molest, grope, and finger the girl. Mm-hmm. Nine, ten years old. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. And so uh, he would threaten her with beatings if she didn't lay nude on top of him at night sometimes. So that sucks. And at the age of 15, a beating quickly escalated into Jarrett aggressively uh, penetrating Nellie. Yeah. And that became a regular occurrence afterward. Could this get worse? Uh, Mitch, you don't just scream. You asked for the microphone. We yeah, went over this. You did We've been nothing. over this, Mitch. God damn it. Um, oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes these... Uh, a cleanser, I'm just, just going to say it. It's going to come up a lot. I know it's a... It's a word that's a very hot button word, but he raped this little girl. Yeah. And most times, if not all of them, it was there was beatings involved in the rape. It wasn't just I'll beat you if I don't get to penetrate you. I'm going to penetrate you and beat you at the same time. And that was very commonplace for this little girl. And other children in the home, yeah. Oh yeah. But Nellie was uh was uh one of the bigger names that came out in the interviews she talked to the most yeah she was she was the one that kind of gave this knowledge to the police well not even really the police but she gave this knowledge to people that uh were in this line of work that were like whoa okay what yeah so after that uh interview happened and those claims came out kendra and michael webb were uh, immediately removed from the home these there are more of the children, right? That's all it took. They got that, and they're like, all right, they should be out. Yeah. So what do you think should happen now, right? Just, uh, what do you think, right? In a perfect world, they go to jail. It's not the case, because despite all this, uh, they they went free, in fact. Oh, of course, yeah. The opposite. Yeah. What are you thinking? No, yeah, right. I mean, everything is backwards okay. in this world. Everything is just wrong. Everything's terrible. Why not this be terrible as well? Because Barbara uh, was Larry E. King's cousin. Right, so this is where this is uh, going to begin to tie in Larry King. Right? Oh, Larry King. Uh, and Larry this... King live, bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the wrong guy, but it is. But it's just a mood lightener. It works, it works. So either way, all right, um, Barbara, she was uh, she was Larry King's cousin. And uh, this particular 
the, the unfolding of these events is a terrifying example of the power that this guy actually had. Oh, this this guy's reach was everywhere. It's far-reaching, and it's terrifying. Everywhere. Yeah. That's how you describe that. Yeah, no. I get it. All right, so immediately after Nelly left uh, the Webb's home in November, right, uh, the Webb's began to... Uh, begin, they, you know, they began the unusual process of terminating their status as adoptive parents, uh, which would cut the investigation short under DSS rules. Like, no, we don't do Department that. Department of Social Services. We don't do that anymore. That's yeah. No, no, that's yeah, not, not us. You got the wrong right. Web family. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So negotiations. You know what the hell happened there? Negotiations on behalf of the Webs, right, were handled by attorney Gary Randall. Uh, whose brother uh, Casey, Nellie and Kimberly, in uh, later statements called uh, Larry King's maid. Yeah, he comes clean up. Clean up all the messes for him. You he know. comes up a bit. Yeah, one of there. So uh, Gary was aided in uh, in this by Washington County Prosecutor Patrick Tripp, who uh, decided not to charge the Webs with sexual abuse or any other charges, for that matter. Uh, Tripp claimed that the stories were invented despite the four past polygraph tests taken by Nelly at his request. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Patrick just so happened to be good friends with two other names involved in the Webb's, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, as well. All right. Uh, so, Fort Calhoun Superintendent of Schools, Deward Finch. What a fucking and, uh, stupid yeah, name. And high school principal. Kate I'm Deward. Fucking idiot. Yeah. So then uh, Trips, he then uh, stepped down from his position and he remains a prominent lawyer in the area. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. So he just got everyone off and then he was like, All right, I'm stepping down from my position. Still going to have a life, though. Isn't that terrible? It's, yeah. There, this is going to be a running theme uh, where. These people tell their stories and they're quickly dismissed. And there's actually a quote in the book from uh, one of the law enforcement officers where he's talking about all of these cases coming out about these people connected to Larry King, uh, molesting children involved in this. And uh, it basically says that there's so many little kids talking about getting raped by this guy. It's all just a lie. We don't even need to look into it. It's ridiculous. So instead of doing their jobs, they were pretty much like, all 20 of these girls made this up. It's just some crazy lunacy. It's like this is just a huge conspiracy against us to try to make us Yeah, so the, don't, don't be shocked when something. nothing happens know. because it's a running theme that they ignore these people and their yeah. comments. Yeah, nothing nothing came of the, the crimes. Despite no. the, uh, the further claims of the children, because they kept coming. Right. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. Uh, during this whole legal process, the children uh, still in the Webb's home uh, discovered videotapes of teenagers in the web under the Webb's bed, right? And they were doing uh, pornographic activities. Okay, so that's terrible. Uh, the, through eavesdropping, the children knew that it was Larry King that supplied the uh, the tapes to the Webb's. Um, once, uh, when caught looking through a large stack of pornography that was also brought. By Larry King. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Steve, I believe, that was... No, it was Sean. Sean, he discovered the pornography, and uh, he was not permitted to eat in the Webb's home for one week. 
That's ample punishment, I it think. It is, I'd say. You brought pornography into this home. You don't eat. You don't eat. You don't eat. You got to eat out. You know, if they gave you money to eat out, that'd be cool. But either way, uh, friggin'. And Barbara also had uh, just piles and piles of books about uh, incest porn with uh, mother and son. Yeah, she this had, like was, a lot of those. You like, got to realize this is not yeah. nowadays where that's like the average porn. Like back then, Pornhub. It's weird. It's Back like then, really this weird. was not like normal porn. This yeah. was not something that was occurring in porno. You know, you had to know the right person to get your hands on that porn. Yeah, and it might be authentic. Realistically, who knows? Just throwing that thought Sorry. out there. Everyone just went silent on it's that one, but lot. fuck all of you. It might be lot, real. Uh, you want to get to know Larry King a little bit? It's... No. Oh, you don't <laughs> Shaw. I think it's important that you get to know Mr. King. Yeah. Mostly because you're going to hear a lot about this fucking guy. No, it's true. Nothing uh, good, though. Here he is. All right. Let's 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 talk about some of his activities. Uh, Larry King. He would have parties at the Omaha Girls Club every week. Uh, and he would call the webs and invite them. And occasionally, Nellie and or Joey would also be invited to these parties, right? Yeah, that's weird. They're like, yeah, we're having a big bash. Bring your kids. Yeah, just bring your kids. Are we going to be drinking and having sex? He's like, yeah, please, bring your kids. Yeah. It's like, oh, ugh, yeah. yikes. It gets worse. So these, no uh, these parties, they had roughly uh, 10 to 15 men, right? Uh, they were sometimes accompanied by their wives. Uh, but there was also about 25 underage girls and boys. Who yep. Were, uh, the entertainment is what they phrased it as. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that can be wholesome in a sense, but is it? It's not. Uh, it's not at all because uh, the children would be uh, prostituted to the adults and uh, the money would be going through Larry King. Right, uh, so sexual acts uh, were not always uh, committed or done, you know, uh, behind closed doors at these parties, apparently. And uh, they were also not limited to two people at a time. Oh, no, this was... Every Friday, 7 p.m., 45 minutes, be there. I think... That's, uh, it's I'm gonna, terrible. I'm going to paint the image the way that I saw it upon reading this book. Picture, I, for some reason, I pictured a very, like, pristine, large living room. And there's just, like, a line of men and then a line of kids. And you pretty much seemingly just pick who you want uh, with with no, no repercussion to who the children are. It's just, I want him, him, her, and her. And you can either take it into a room or just in that their living room, you just... Do whatever you feel you need they to do care. with those kids. Yeah. I'm going to get this out of the way now. Uh, if you couldn't tell, these people were sexual deviants. So a lot of times, uh, it wasn't even necessarily about the adult doing anything with the kids. It was more forced child-on-child sexual activity. Yeah. And that occurred quite often, mostly in these large rooms where people would watch as this happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Just... There were often times where it would escalate to them threatening their lives if they didn't do it, or the lives of their families. Yeah. 
Because oftentimes the, these children just went home afterward and were called up whenever there was just another party. Yeah, it was pretty much like it was pretty much like they were literal prostitutes. It was like their yeah. job was to fuck these old men. And specifically with the webs, the money that Joey would make from these parties that the he, prostituting himself out, his parents would take and yeah. supposedly put it away for him for later. It's, later in life in his future. It's similar to a Michael for. Jackson scenario yeah. with less money. That's re- It's literally like, well, I think it was $75 they mentioned was one of the rates they had. Yeah. It, it was yeah. either like a 50 or a 100. It's usually. not, yeah, it, this, we're not talking thousands. Like We're talking like, there's so it's many disgusting. fucking kids it's that disgusting. are churning out, like, they're charging 50 a pop. Like, yeah. boom, 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 this shit's like ice cream, dude. It's just fucking there. Oh, don't say that. I'm just being real. <laughs> Shit's like ice cream. I'm just being real. Code words. I'm not. Hey, well, no, that's ice a whole. That's coming code later. Code words. No. I'm. I'm just saying. I know this might sound crass, but it's like, really. Sometimes I think it's better to just rip the bandaid off and just fucking. This is what it is. It's like that. That's what it is. We could dance around it all day, but that it's fucking terrible. You it's just have to get it out. You know. Terrifying and. Awful stuff. Yeah. People need to know uh, that it's happening because uh, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, these are all official reports. It's all fucking crazy. All right? No, Let's exactly. get into some more of these parties. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, these parties would take Ooh. place Let's in, just tell you, in different let me, cities. Oh, God, Shaw's back here just kind of groaning. You're groaning, Shaw? And I understand, but I want to point this out not only to the audience, but uh, to the people here as well. If this is something that you can't stomach... The party that we just described to you is G-rated, and the party that we will get to in this episode is in this triple episode, X-rated. Yes. Like, yes. I'm, I'm literally talking about like it was. It's the difference between Bambi and Pulp Fiction. Like, it's there's a jump that we're gonna get to. So, yeah, yeah. please just be prepared. And if you don't want to stomach it, I, you know, I understand. That's yeah. fair. I That's think very gonna, reasonable. We should put like a. Uh, disclaimer. Just, just make this the title of this. Just disclaimer. I'll be. Uh, who has a? Anybody got like a pen, notebook, pen? Anybody? Yeah. You do. When we're getting to it, I'm gonna write down the time, so that if you want to skip, I'll put it in the show notes. This is cheap. That this is where it gets very dark. We're getting. We'll put timestamps really in this. for you, so yeah. we understand. Because I. I get it. You know, to me, this is something that I feel needs to be talked about. But there's a lot of people that are going to be like, "No, fuck that." This crosses a lot of lines for people. No, no, hundred percent. So we're yeah, we'll let's let's let it roll. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, these parties would take places. Uh, they take place in different cities as well, right? So Larry, uh, he would fly Nellie and Joey along with his wife and adopted son Prince uh, to Chicago, New York, Washington D.C. Uh, beginning uh, around when Nellie was 15, right? Yeah. During one of these parties in Washington, D.C., she actually met, um, this is going to be crazy, all right, uh, Vice President uh, George Bush. Yep. Yeah. And, and this was at a particular kind of party where it was uh, solely older men purchasing younger male prostitutes. And this party specifically had security measures in place where the members that were joining this party had badges and they had to scan themselves into this party to make sure that they were the person that was on the list. So this was a very exclusive party 
And I want to touch back on one quick thing. You might be surprised that George Bush is a name thrown around in here. But I would like to present something to you. Uh, please look into the time in the 90s when George Bush was in the White House. This is the father, uh, Bush Sr. Yeah. Uh, when he was in the White House, there was an enormous scandal where uh, Secret Service agents were busted smuggling in 15-year-old male prostitutes into the White House. So it's one of those things that, yeah, it's wild to hear a name like George Bush thrown out there, but it's not the last time his name is mentioned in a situation similar to this. It's not at all. No. No. This is a decade before that happened as well, so just keep that in mind. It's fucking crazy. Dude, these parties are not... Not good. So that's no. that's a little bit about. I wouldn't uh, even Larry call King. them parties. I feel like They're, party. Is, that's what they call them. It's that's like, like the, that's the only reason I'm saying we need that. a we <laughs> need a like, better oh, word. Yeah, what a no, great I, time. I like, know, <laughs> but we just we need like a better description. It's like at these parties, man. It's like this is not a party. This is this is a hell. <laughs> it's like it's so evil that if you describe it accurately, it just sounds hokey. It's like this is. These, I think these horrendous get-togethers. I think this is what the kids call a kickback. I believe that's what they oh, they mention. But yeah, let's let's bar- oh, barrel through. All I feel right. like barreling well, through is a good idea. Yeah, I mentioned the superintendent and the principal. Apparently, Kimberly uh, Patterson, who was still in the Webb's house, uh, she overheard a phone conversation uh, between Barbara Webb and an unknown second individual, right, uh, regarding Superintendent Deward Finch. Uh, so, uh, Barbara was overheard and saying, I got him all the way. I caught him several times down there with black girls. So down there, what is she, what is, what is, what is she talking about? Well, both Kimberly and Nellie reported seeing, uh, Duard Finch going in and out of the Webb's home during daylight hours. And they are kind of thinking that there may, uh, be some people in the basement, possibly. Oh, no Isn't that way. just crazy? Absolutely not. But either way... Uh, so that's terrible. Uh, yeah, where is it? There we go. Finch would call the webs, okay? He would also call them regularly, as well as, uh, he would, uh, he was saying that it was time for another meeting, right? What? What are you doing? Speak louder, eh? <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. All right. Well, so yeah. Uh, Fitch, uh, he would call the webs, uh, regularly as well as saying, uh, he would, uh, he would say, hey, it's time for a meeting, right? The three, along with the high school principal, Kent Miller, uh, would remain in the locked windowless school office sometimes for hours. And there were many times that, uh, they actually brought in, like, uh, suitcases that had some photos. They said they were, uh, you know, going through their photos from their vacation, from their trip? Yeah, it was mm, Yeah, it was a vacation, all right. Yeah. So despite all this information being in the police files and presented, uh Nellie and the other victims were labeled as liars. Jarrett and Barbara went free, and Larry King was invited to sing the Star Spangled Banner at the Republican National Convention in nineteen eighty eight, just as he had done in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, this guy's got ties. This goes back to kind of the power, which uh, honestly we're, we'll cover in a later episode in the series. But I mean, just as of now, you can already see the reach that this guy fucking has. 
the people that are at his party. He's at the Republican National Convention. Like, come on. Like, this guy's got people all over the planet. You know, he knows. He's connected. He's got some ties. It yeah, seems. he's very well connected. Which is why that a lot of these things kind of got to slide, sadly. Yeah. And that was just the beginning. Everything we just went through. Uh, that was that was just the beginning of all of this. Yes. Yeah. So where do we go from here, Grant? Do we go to Rusty Nelson? I'll I'll be honest with you. I feel I feel as though this is very intense. I would agree. Yeah. And I mean I think we I mean listen to us. I think we we pull a method here that I like to call ripping off the band aid. And I think we just we go into it. We just do it. Oh, uh, Loretta. Yeah, I, I, I really, I feel like for an episode, the first episode of the series, a good base is two very extreme cases, so that people are aware of the situation that's unfolding in Nebraska. All right. Uh, this yeah, is uh, this is your timestamp warning. Uh, we're gonna round it up Here to. We, I gotta write it down. We're gonna round it right up to thirty-two minutes. Thirty-two. We're gonna start in Let's seven just remember seconds. Thirty-two. No, I got it. Gonna we're gonna start down. here in. Come on. La di da di da 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 Goodbye, and we begin the X-rated party. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's start. This so, one's uh, fucking wicked. Yeah. So L- Loretta Smith, right? Um, she. Uh, well, well, it all started with a uh, man named Rusty Nelson, right? In uh, in 1988, he uh, he was a photographer, and he approached uh, a young woman about uh, having her photo taken as a model, right? And her mother was yep. permitted to go with her. It was all good. It was all right. So it seemed. And then, uh, so she got there. They both got there, her and her mother. And um, as the photos were being taken, uh, her mother was kind of looking around his studio, and apparently there were a lot of framed photographs of full frontal nude children. Yeah, around his studio. And the, Rusty Nelson, knowing that I believe she was nine years old at this time, yeah. is that correct? She's nine. Loretta is nine years old, and there, admittedly, from the mother, there was no real pressure to be fully nude. But there was a lot of pressure to show cleavage and very tight, revealing clothes on a nine-year-old. And he would often, often press that both of them have a glass of champagne to unwind, knowing full well that she's nine years old. So this guy's questionable to begin with. Rusty Nelson, he's a very strange-looking man. He's a short, little, like, skinny, blonde-haired guy who was just, like, 20, like, 5 Yeah, or like, something. just kind of a normal-looking guy. Yeah, he's living in an he apartment. He kind of looked a lot like Matt here. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Uh, he's so oh, much. I just... I like messing. Throw out your cameras, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah just, so, um, it's not a great... He, uh, he's not your photographer. You don't want him doing your he's senior He's not pictures. the photographer you want. Another reason you might not want to go to his studio is in the Twin Towers. So that's another joke. Oh, you can go funny. there, but <laughs> no, that's not, I'm not no, going to yeah, make it. Exactly. It's too easy. So it's, kinda, it's too easy of a joke. You set you him go. up. But either easy. way, he had a loft uh, in the uh, Twin Towers, right? And that's where he would, his studio was. And it was rented, turns out, by Larry King. Yeah. Isn't that Yeah, crazy? Larry King rented it. And... Uh, 
just just for a little background information, uh, Larry King also owned an apartment like a couple blocks away. Yeah. In a very similar building, and uh, these were not just like subletted buildings. Like one of the the managers of the building, he mentioned that Larry King had invested over three grand of furniture, tables, tablecloths, uh, shades, all these things. So like he fully furnished these like lofts that he yeah. rented and <clears throat> in one instance he bought a very expensive couch that would not fit in uh the elevator so he paid twelve hundred dollars to have a crane lift it into the apartment from the window so he he's, meant he's business. passionate for feng shui yeah like it, yeah. this wasn't just like a passing like real estate job it was like no these were lofts that he owned and like yeah. at least utilized yeah, so it, it was, yeah, so Larry King, he was renting this guy's space, he's taking pictures of, uh, of children, what the fuck. So, the uh, the mother got her and her daughter uh, the fuck out of there. And, uh, Smart. Yeah, so she went to the police, they filed a complaint. Uh, nine days later, uh, no, no one investigated, nine days later, uh, when they finally got out there, uh, he was gone. He had vacated, he was gone. Yeah, they were, they came back looking for him, and... The landlord was like, no, that guy left a couple of days ago. Yeah, and it is strange because uh, Nellie and Kimberly claim that he uh, was seen at their home on a few occasions. Yes. And uh, she, uh, Nellie, that is, also claimed to have befriended Loretta around that that time. She was around nine, nine, nine years old, yeah. right? And uh, these pictures kind of led to her parents being called about some get-togethers with Larry King. Yep. You know? And being, you know, the great people that are involved in this story, yeah. they they were okay with They're these like, parties. like, why not? They're just like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they were okay with their young child attending these yeah. parties. And, yeah. So, they're, so she ended up going, right? And, uh... At first, it was kind of just like how the parties I uh, described earlier went down. Um, Until to, one... so it, it, it kept happening. Uh, the more she would go, uh, be forced to go, really. They had no choice. Uh, so Loretta was forced to go to these parties, and she was kind of... Uh, it would kind of escalate every time. Yeah. It, it would, would take more allowances. It um, turned very much into It turned from groping to full penetration to... Uh, well, let's get into something. To the one I I I feel like I'm jumping the gun, but I know you know the day I'm talking about where this all kind of changes. And let's just say you might have been thinking, "Hey, the name of that book has Satanism in it, right? Where does that come in?" It comes in. It does. Yeah, this in. very fateful day. Because uh, after the common. Uh, Rape, let's say, yeah, it was yeah, rape. The, 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 uh, I, that became I think that's a the fair thing. word. Yeah, it's a fair word, I'd say. But yeah, that was becoming the norm for these parties, and she kept going. Uh, she was forced to go, and it started escalating into brutalization of others around her. Uh, she claims that it was having somewhat to do with cult activity, possibly Satanist activity. Uh, they were trying to s- tell her and convince her that she could obtain power by killing something lesser than her. Yes. And 
I, How did they do this, Grant? Uh, okay, what did they I, bring to her? I got this. I got this. I got this. So, what happens here is they are supposedly telling her that they need to know that she can be trusted, that she can be a trusted member of these party circles. And, uh, I mean, that comes along with the obvious threats to her life and her family uh, without her cooperation. So, the test to her is Loretta is put into a completely dark room for 24 straight hours. But she's not in there alone. She's in there with the dead body of a child. And she is forced to stay in there. While in the room next door, she hears repeated screams and yelps of other children being physically assaulted. And upon, upon the 24-hour period being completed, she's taken out, and they say, good job. And she, you know, doesn't really get better from there. She goes home after yeah. that. Yeah, she just goes back to her She goes life. home. Um, and uh, yeah, that just was the like start it did before. It. It escalates from there, right? Oh, uh, so it fucking escalates from at, there. Yeah, at a another meeting, let's call it a meeting. That's a good. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, at another meeting, uh, Loretta indicated devil worshiping was uh, practiced, and that another small boy was sacrificed. Uh, Loretta and the other girls uh, were in the room, or in the other room, and she uh, could hear the little boy screaming. She then indicated the child was fried and eaten by the girls. Yeah, and they were Loretta forcing, indicated uh, they were they were forcing the children to eat the yeah. the corpse, and Loretta uh, refused and she, smacked it away from her, and she was extremely punished for that. She said she was beaten for two days. Yeah, extremely punished for that. So I think it's safe to say that uh, they were starting a cult. I mean, yeah, not the same one we're going for. Nowhere near that. We're more going for, like, the fun-loving, like, let's all hang out in a field, you know? Like, these guys are going for more of a, hey, let's eat your babies. Like, that's not our speed. We're a little too uh, relaxed for that, I think. I don't, it's hard to chew gum and, like, read a book at the same time. I'm not, I don't plan on frying any children, you know? Um, no, no. But and, uh, it gets worse. It kind of gets worse. It uh, gets a lot worse, actually, yeah. if you're being honest. It gets worse. Um, at additional meetings, Loretta indicated the men told her and the other girls that they must sacrifice uh, for power and described three incidents where further sacrifices took place, right? So uh, the first one, uh, one-year-old white female uh, had her head taken off by a saw. Yeah, on the floor. Just on the in floor front in front of them. Uh, the second was a four-year-old white male. Uh, he was hung on the wall and had darts thrown at him. Yeah, and I, I looked into this, and the the explanation, I guess, that was given to the people was that the boy was alive, and he was hung up similar to Simpsons-style wedgies where they hang you on the wall. Atomic. And they were they were whipping darts at them. Until it finally killed him. So he was not dead and then got darts. Or he was alive and being whipped with they like long darts. probably continued afterward, too, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's obvious. Terrible. Uh, there was another one, the third. Uh, it was an Indian female. 
uh, three or four years old, uh, had several parts of her body cut off, after which they were ground and poured onto the girls, and then they were made to drink the remains of the child. So it's not even cooked this time. No, this is... Sadly, this is something that's going to occur later in the story as well, where it's described that they mutilate the body of this child and put the child into a blender or a blender-like machine and grind it into a paste and then make the children get nude on the floor and dump it over them. Yeah. And then whatever's left in the jug, they're each made like to drink from it. And they're yeah. drinking the remains of a human being. Um. Now, okay. This isn't the traditional practice of Satanists no. either. No, no, this no, no, is, no, no. These are not. Um. No. And you might be wondering, Satanism. It will. It will play a role a lot later. Uh, there's a lot of different descriptions of like candles, or people wearing robes. Things that are just kind of weird and slightly occult yeah. that lead to this idea of Satanism. But the the Very one thing bonesy. the one thing I want to touch on is that all while this is happening, uh, there are people in the police force that are working on this case, and there is an individual that uh, gained the trust of Loretta, and you know did interviews and got a lot of information. And he was looking into the case, trying to get a little bit more. And as he did, he was reassigned to a completely different job and was demoted. And it didn't seem like much, but then the next guy that came in to take over that lead role was found dead in his apartment. And then the third guy that came in to finish this investigation was also reassigned. So this is where John DeCamp kind of smells this cover-up, where... The people that are there to investigate are found dead or completely reassigned or fired totally to get them off the trail of Loretta King's story about Larry King and his associates. Yeah. It's a and common thread throughout this entire story. I, okay. I want to, we'll be honest with you podcast listeners. Um, I don't really know how to say this. If this was bad, there's way more. Um... I, Jake and myself, feel that this is a good entry point. It was too much at at the very beginning. It is, but you There's no good amount of this information. I think it's important to understand that these things happen, and this is is happening. It is real. Buy this goddamn book. It's amazing. And, I mean, we're going to get way, way more in depth, but I think... I think the fact is we have we have guests here. You know, we we've been cutting through a lot of information, and I think the information is well done for today. Yeah, there's a lot to soak in. And now everyone's just laughing for some reason. I don't know why everyone's laughing. So you said the book's amazing. It is amazing. It is. See, okay. I let me. It's, you're gonna be amazed at what you read in it. Let me tell you this before we pass it off to the guests here. I. You might be wondering why we're doing this topic. I personally feel that this topic is extremely important. And if you're anything like us and are into conspiracies, things of that nature, this is one of those that is proven to be real. Uh, Even if it's not 100% true, there are things in it that are proven to be real, and it's proof that things like this can happen. And it's an important topic that does not get talked about. So... 
we have this small platform. We might as well use it to talk about some real shit. Why not? And with all that being said, Doc, I want you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I don't want to put you on the spot. I'd like to ask your opinions on what we've heard so far. Would you like to share? Or? Sure. All right, all right, let's hear. As someone in the field of you know law enforcement, how... How does this like come out? How does this information grab you immediately? You know, I mean it's gruesome. Um, I do have a question though. Yes. Um, upon reading the book, do you know how many children were exploited and the number tortured, killed? Well, I'll tell you this: the number of children involved in the sex ring is unknown by name. There's about. During the court case that later ensued, there's about 95 people that testified or were willing to testify. And then that also doesn't include uh, the ramifications of other people. Uh, there, There's a story of an investigator that we'll get to next week that was a PI working uh, for John DeCamp who was killed in a mysterious plane crash with his uh, child. And so there's a lot of people in and outside of the circle that are killed or affected by this. So I, to answer your question, the number, I'm not sure, but 90 is at least a number that has been obtained to be people involved in this. Okay. And you mentioned Omaha and Washington, D.C. Are those the, the two main areas? Yeah. Omaha like, is where this happens. Um, you might be wondering why it's called the Franklin cover-up because the reason that all of this culminated uh well i mean again we'll go way more in depth uh in a later episode but the franklin credit union uh there was a discrepancy with the billing and there was believed to be embezzlement and that is what john DeCamp was investigating initially and upon that investigation he started looking into larry king and unraveled all of this because larry king was the owner of the franklin credit union and he actually had a reputation, like, around Omaha and other places around the country of someone who would break your legs if you didn't listen to him. Yeah. Or if he didn't get what he wanted. Like, Larry King was not to be fucked with by a lot of these people. Yeah, so this this really all happened because they were looking at Larry King for possible embezzlement charges. And as they followed the money and the paper trail, they uncovered crazy... It's just a snowball effect of what they found. So... Omaha is it's that's mostly where it takes place a lot of this, but then uh, there's certain parts. There's if you're familiar with Bohemian Grove in California, there are parts that take place there. Uh, D.C. as well, uh, Chicago, New York, L.A., pretty much all over the country. So, so it was definitely a, a federal case, and you had these small town cops trying to investigate. Yeah, to take take down this crazy criminal enterprise pretty much and i mean i think the reason was because at least at this point like with the loretta the loretta case and all this it's like i don't think they knew the full scope of who was involved so it was at that point it was pretty much like a local pd issue of just abuse and then i think a lot of people started to realize what it was as people were fired and like pretty much forced to not look into this you know loretta actually like filed a lot of complaints and like told told on them basically to many many people in power like all the right people she should have told and it never went past any of their desks Mm -hmm. on purpose it all this got out all these claims and statements were found 
when she went to the hospital after a particularly gruesome time at a meeting. Yes. And yes. she told like her social worker at the hospital who was the only person she could trust, really. Yeah, and that took months. That social months. worker, there's mention of that multiple times where... She went and spoke in Congress. Yeah, like it started out very, very small, and then after a few months it was... She would only talk to one or two members of this team of social workers, and they were the ones that got the story because... It just took so long to build a rapport with this like girl, and just yeah. I mean, I, I can't the imagine how difficult amazing. that is to talk about, like yeah. with a stranger. You know, it's fucking insane. As a child, you had the remains of a person dumped on you. How do and you, then you talk, drank it? How do you talk about that? Like, it's so crazy. Like, it, it's not it's, funny, but in a way, it's like it's so insane. That it's, it's so like, evil. How do you handle it's that? like you can't fit. You can't like. You just laugh for some reason, and it's terrible. So my question, I, I asked you this earlier, but I would like to know, uh, as a as a law enforcement person, what like how just just like I don't I don't even know like what do you what are your thoughts? How do we what what do you do? How would you handle this scenario? I mean, there's definitely a failure in the system, right? At yeah, at some level, at some level, I feel like. Cause, yeah, I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier off air. How it's this weird gray area of like abuse in itself is like a police issue, but then cases like this where it's so large, it's it's not. It's a federal issue. So then it's like, how does this chain of command work? Where it's like, you know, we have multiple women coming out. Like we should investigate because it's our town, but it's like this is also like a way bigger issue than we're equipped to handle you know so i guess my question is just based on your experience what if this were to happen you know let's say you're at work and this story came to your desk what would be your thought process on how to get this to the proper channels i mean you're definitely gonna be going all your supervisors <laughs> just like, you're oh. going to need them to call everyone they know. You're going to bring in the state police. You're going to bring in the FBI. You're going to bring in all the, the big dogs with all the resources. Jeez. I don't I don't know if this is Omaha City Police Department or if this is a small town outside of Omaha, two-man department, but it sounds like there was a failure of, you know, either they got sidetracked, they didn't believe it because it was a little girl, but they, they definitely failed. I would agree. Doing anything. I think. Getting reassigned, getting, you know, Russian suicide, as we mentioned earlier, two to the back of the head. That mm -hmm. second officer got killed, you're saying? And, yeah, that there there is a theme. Uh, spoiler alert, the uh, 12 different individuals that are involved in this case were found dead, uh, mostly by suicide. They were suicided. They were they were given the Possibly. Epstein as we call it in twenty twenty. Uh, yes. uh they yeah. The they Jeffrey were given special. Hell, they were given all of them. They were given the Bourdain, the Spade, the fucking Epstein. They were given all of them. They were suicided mm -hmm. as a verb. And, and that's why I think that you know, like how how many coincidences, you know, does it take for you right. know, for something like this to be like, oh, like it's real. You know, 12 people who committed suicide just because of this one case, it it's not possible. It did not make sense. Yeah. 
Chewbacca. You know, also, you know, when you think about, you know, how graphic these incidences were, and, you know, the small town cop that's getting this put on their desk, you know, the way you describe it, I mean, it sounds like something out of a horror movie that is to the point where, you know, do you even believe a kid telling you this, or is this just the imagination of a child? I'm I'm glad you brought that point up because that they mentioned that in the book and I I'm not entirely sure I don't I think this is a good question for Doc over here. Uh, the, he's he mentions how when kids are the witnesses to these stories, it's very wishy washy a lot because you know they're kids. It's hard to believe, but you also you want to trust them, but you know they're children. And the point that he makes in the book and the point that the social workers wanted to get across was that there is so much graphic detail for a nine-year-old girl to describe that it's almost impossible to ignore because their point is essentially, you know, what rational nine-year-old girl would describe an event where the liquefied remains of a child were dumped onto her and she was forced to drink it. It almost, to me personally, it almost makes it easier to believe that it's so graphic and violent that a child would be able to come up with something like this. There is that, and I didn't read all of what she said in her statements. Those were just some excerpts, but uh, she was saying specific names of people and dates mm-hmm. and times and locations. Yeah, she was She giving... included all of these things in the statements. In one particular instance, uh, there even uh, the second apartment that we mentioned that was not in the Twin Towers... Uh, that and uh, a home in Omaha that was owned by Larry King were both pointed out uh, in person by Loretta as that's where I was. So that that's a good question I have for you. Is it, w- dealing with children in a case like this, do you think that this information can be valid or do you think it's suspect simply because she's young and it's hard to believe? To- totally valid. I mean, any kind of... Uh victim and any kind of crime i mean as long as they can talk i mean you're going to listen to them you're going to take a statement from them you know you also have thoughts of you know does she have a mental disorder schizophrenia does she have bipolar is any of this you know illusion mm-hmm. i mean is she imagining any of you know what's going on right so right. It's, it's running through your head if it is omaha city like a big metro um agency there's going to be a lot of family crime. There's a lot of domestic violence. Um, family, child family services is always going out. You're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of kids being uh, victimized. So a lot of social workers are overworked. They have a lot of cases. And, yeah, this nine-year-old might have actually experienced hell on earth, but she might have not been given the attention she deserved because the resources weren't there. So they weren't able to investigate it thoroughly. So a lot, right. of, a lot of different things that could play play a role in why this failed to, you know, bring justice to the victims. No, exactly. I, I that is interesting too. Where it's, it, it is a resource based system where it's you know the more important things stand out, and obviously this is important. But at the same time, it's right if you can't a hundred percent verify it they're not going to give the manpower where they would put it somewhere else, knowing that this could all be fake. So it, it is. It's one of those things that that's. I think that's a really interesting point of conversation is that, you know, we call it the Franklin cover-up, but it could very easily be just a logistical error, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be this grandiose cover-up. It could be as simple as they didn't believe her, so they didn't care. Anything involving, you know, crimes against children, sexual crimes, I think that detective's going to follow up on any, on any lead they can get. But to some point, if you're talking about these these people of great power, great right, magnitude, like George very charismatic, Bush. very rich, famous, powerful, I mean, they might be able to cover up their tracks. Oh, yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure, you know, in, especially in that world, it's very, you know this guy, I know this guy. So you could be a great detective, but... If, you know, fucking the guy doing all this shit is rich and knows your boss, you don't have a chance, you know? Yeah. And I, I didn't, uh, don't know how far you're going to get into this with, you know, people in, like, high places. But I don't know. I was just thinking about, uh, this is a little tangent. Uh, did you guys hear about that movie? It's about, like, little girls twerking or something. And it was, like, being promoted on Netflix. I only briefly heard about it in the news. And, uh... I think my brother was telling me about it and I was just like, what the fuck? And it's like, it's like advertised to like adults, you know, it's not like a kid's movie, but still it's like, it's like children twerking little girls. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That child beauty pageants are a big, I mean, it's kind of bringing into question, especially, you know, obviously everybody's going to bring this all back to the Epstein stuff, but I mean, are we normalizing that behavior to a point? And then if you think about, you know, Going back to you know the podcast topic of you know people in positions of high power being involved in these corrupt dealings of very deviant sexual behavior, you know when you guys got to the point where it's like you know people all the way up top, you know if he's you know if this person's doing it, I can't touch him. You know I mean he's up there, he's safe, he pays off the right people, he pays off people who can protect him. Oh yeah, and so it's like you know it really makes you think about how messed up this world can be sometimes. Oh, it can, dude. I mean, it's it really is as simple as if one person that has authority makes a decision, That that's really all it is. If his decision is to, you know, have sex with a child, it's he's going to do it, and dude, who's going to stop him? I ain't going to fucking stop him. I don't even know how to do that. Like, no one does. That's why nothing gets done about this yeah. shit, because... I gotta, I gotta bite my tongue because this, the pedophilia, like the normalization of pedophilia, it is real. I don't care Dude, yeah, what speaking people to say. That, like Hollywood's been doing that, like just psychologically for years, oh, just 100%. like embedded into content, just kind of slipped in there. It's normalized, and it is. At what point do we just? Is it so normalized we don't do anything? Like with like Bill Clinton, everyone's like all this new stuff coming out about him. It's like, oh, yeah, everyone knew that. It's like, well, that doesn't dismiss the fact that it's fucking being talked about now. Right. I, that's, like, I'm so confused. Don't just dismiss it. Be happy that it's like being dealt with, possibly. Why, as a country, are we completely annihilating R. Kelly's existence and we're doing nothing about Bill Clinton when information was just released that it's about 100% positive that he was molesting a 14-year-old girl. I mean, honestly, it doesn't surprise me because if you look past, you know, if you look into history and you look back almost in ancient times, you know, biblical times, it was normal for a 35-year-old man to marry like a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old girl way back in the day. Absolutely. And so you know it has happened. And why are we so... Why do we think we're on such high pedestals that people won't relate back to that behavior? Why do we think that that won't happen? It definitely does, and you know it does. And eventually, 
You know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. People are going to look away, look away, they're not going to believe it because they don't want to believe it. No, that is, that's a very fair thing. I mean, it's one of those things that I think, it it's very unrelated, but I think it's an important point of entry. Uh, again, I've said that term, wrong choice of words in this scenario. Very poor choice um, of words. Look back to, I mean, I we always talk about this with my, like my family, uh, my aunts, my parents. And it's as simple as, like, when they were kids, uh, people with mental disabilities were all but non-existent. And it wasn't that they weren't around, it was that they were hidden. That it was more than normal to just isolate your special needs child and not send them to school. You don't take them shopping, they don't go to the park. They are not children, they're beings that are kept away. And it's as simple as... You know, for us, people our age, it's very normal because we see it. You know, you go to school, you go out, there's people with, you know, special needs. It's whatever. Yeah, they're people, so they're starting to be treated like people. And to the older generations, which I think our generation has a problem accepting that, is that their generation was very different. And those things truly were not a thing that they encountered very often. So it's new to them. And I view pedophilia the same way, where it's like, it's it's this thing that happens, but it's so hidden that it's easy to, to deny its existence completely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's so, like, it was so hidden that they're just... Yeah, that it, we... It's like, this is just something so out of my scope that I'm not going to accept it, because this is just ridiculous. Right, or like, Something thing, like I that, mean, a lot of people have that kind of aversion to these kinds of topics. Look at some of these crazy, like just shootings or violent acts that occur people you know you talk to maybe your grandparents and they gave you that old like well that didn't happen in my day and it's like you don't write them off because they didn't have social media so when you know a small town in texas had a shootout and you know five people died if it wasn't on your local news it didn't happen it didn't exist for you and it's like the this is kind of where pedophilia is where it's like it happens but we ignore it to a point where we completely deny it happening at all. Yeah, but it, I would I would say that like yeah, people definitely know like we all know pet like pedophiles exist. Oh yeah, and that yeah. there's definitely like pedophile rings. You know, like even like normal people will talk about it, but they just like don't want to hear about it. Obviously, but I feel like to how big like this this you know conspiracy is like the Franklin cover up. Uh, people really don't want to believe that because it's just so terrible. And, you know, mm-hmm. you throw in Satanism, and it's just like, okay, you know, then people really don't believe it, you know? No, exactly. And, I mean, in a sense, I think that's kind of what – I don't necessarily know if that's what they're going for. But let's say just for the purpose of these series of episodes, believe that this is all happening. And – that's part of it is that you make it so grandiose that when you say these things that oh a liquefied child was dumped onto a living naked child it sounds so outlandish that you just write it off as completely non-existent and maybe that's part of the game you know if it was as simple as they molested a child you might be a little bit more open to accepting that information than something insane like that you know think of that I think another thing that lots of people don't realize is, you know, we're kind of generalizing pedophilia, and I know that there's, like, different classes and different, you know, 
generalizations of it because depending on the age of the kid and things like that. But in some countries, you know, depending on the class, it is socially acceptable in some yeah. countries. And oh, yeah. we don't really we don't like to think about that. So, you know, we just kind of don't look at that kind of information, but it does happen. So, you know, why are we to think that the U.S. is so different that people that live here wouldn't have the same kind of I mean, I think it's kind of messed up. Messed oh, up yeah. desires, I guess. I think it's messed up. So I like it's kind of messed up. It's like, no, you can, no, you can say it's it's I'm like very fucked glad up. That like it's you fucked. think it's messed up. It's it's just <laughs> awful. I mean, it's 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 one of those things that it's like there's so many different facets to it. You don't even know how to unpackage the information you get. It sucks. But. It happens and it sucks. With all that being said, that is part one it of is. the Franklin cover-up. Yeah. Um. It. Let's just say it's. It's gonna get brutal. It's gonna get worse. Uh, it's gonna get worse than this. Word of advice: I hope you didn't enjoy Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, because if you did. It's gonna be ruined. You're for really you. not gonna enjoy it after. You're really gonna have to separate the art. Yeah, from the artist. yeah, you're gonna have to. But either way, uh, um, God, yeah. I, tune in next week. Yeah, um, we are starting a cult. <laughs> um, uh, that was Grant of Jake. Yeah, I'm sorry, that guys. Was, uh, one of the um, many mats was here. We got Doc. We got Mitch. I'm I'm sorry, guys, but it, it it's has gonna to be happen said. again next week, and it's gonna be worse. It will, but I think. I think it's important to listen to it. It's. I also can, think that if you can stomach it, it's information that will, it'll haunt you. That's why we're doing it, dude. But it will make you a better person. Yeah. I think I can, and just think of it this way: if you ever feel like maybe you're a bad person, you can refer back to this and realize. If anything, you're this not is for cut, like you know, uh, contrast. Yeah, you could be like, man, yourself. I missed like, my grandma's birthday. I feel like an asshole. Then you think about Larry King, and you're like, you know, maybe maybe I'm not so bad. Perfect example of what not to do. He's American Hitler. Don't do that. Um, I'm just going to give him that title myself, American Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll be back Yeah, we are starting to call follow some fun stories. The shit. All right. We're on. <laughs> I'm going to advertise our podcast now. <laughs> Oh, God. All right, yeah, we're on Facebook. Uh, we uh, might Instagram. not be on any of those platforms. Instagram. <laughs> much longer, depending on how this is received. Yeah. Uh, nah, yeah. yeah. We're on everything. Start up. a cold at gmail.com. We're on Libs, and there's a, there's a Patreon link below. I'll wake up to a SWAT team kicking in my window. Yeah. Larry King coming in on a zip line with a gun. Not too far-fetched. I don't know. I'm, we're fucked. We, we're talking about this. We're fucked. We're on watch list. <laughs> we're done. We're done we're for, done, man. Pal. We're everywhere. Get all right. fucked. Uh, yeah, all we'll right. be back. We love you all. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.